0: Earlier, I saw some people coming in with some, uh, you know, Stars and Stripes, okay, celebrating the 4th, appreciate that. Um, Yeah, this is my first time actually spending 4th of July in the Washington, D.C. area, Uh, usually up in Pennsylvania, visiting family, but excited to be with you today as we kick off this series, One Hit Wonders. You know, Chad told me you were doing this one hit wonder series and I could pick whatever I wanted to pick and he said they were gonna do a, a song somehow related to the, the sermon and I'm still trying to figure out how Hanson has anything to do with my sermon today. I don't know. I mean it would probably help if I knew what the actual words of the song were, but I mean um bop, I don't know those aren't even words, so I don't know. But today Today we're going to be talking about patience. We're going to be talking about patience as we unpack a Bible story because when Chad would say, you can preach on whatever you want, it's like, well, what do I need to hear? What do I need to work on? And patience is something that I always need to be working on. Um, Like, especially like this past year, 2020 and beyond, it's kind of like, all right, one thing that I have observed in my life is I am not a very patient person. Right, there, if there's one thing I can continually be working on so that my life reflects the, the character of Jesus, it's learning to be patient. May, I don't know, but maybe, maybe I'm the only one who goes to the grocery store, and then when you're getting ready to check out, you look for the, 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 the shortest line, and then you get in it, and then you start paying attention to all the other lines and seeing if you made the correct choice. Right when you when you don't, you're kicking yourself for taking right the line with all the talkers. Like, oh, or when you're in traffic, you're at a stoplight and you're like, All right, I've got to get in the fast one. Why did I get in the line with the Buick? Oh, like the gas pedal is the one on the right, buddy. Come on. I don't know. I I just imagine I'm probably not the only one here tuning online who struggles with patience. Right? Our world does not train us, disciple us to be patient. No, it trains us to be impatient. It, it, it trains us to expect to, to, to have what we want and have it right now. I mean, I thought Amazon was doing an incredible job when they started coming out with two-day shipping. I'm like, I can get, my, I can get that in two days? Like, I don't have to wait two weeks, two days? Well, that's incredible. Well, it wasn't fast enough. Now we have two-hour shipping. Two-hour shipping, right? You see it, you order it at your house, doorstep at two hours. That is scary. I'm just saying that's scary. Right, but we can, we've been conditioned to desire and expect really instant gratification. and So we have on-demand video because, I mean, to go to Redbox or, or to, to wait till Tuesday night to watch your favorite show, I mean, that would just take too long. Nope, we got to watch it now. And, and so we cook with Instapots and we eat instant mashed potatoes and drink instant coffee and we post to Instagram so that all our friends know exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah, our world trains us to be impatient, desire instant gratification not to be patient. But the, God's Word says that patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's evidence that God is Spirit, is working inside of us to make us more like Jesus. So it's something that God wants for us. It's, I'm, just, I'm just struggling, like, why doesn't He just give it to me right now? But I guess it takes time. I I guess it takes time, and so we're going to talk about patience today. And Well, to get us started, let's let's come up with a working definition. So we're all kind of working from the same page as to what is patience. Think about that. What is patience? How would you define it? When I teach it to the kids at our church, at New Life, we talk about patience this way. We say that patience is waiting until later for what you want now. Waiting until later for what you want now. Now, that's the definition of patience that we'll be working from today as we unpack a a classic story from the Bible. Perhaps we could call it a one-hit wonder. Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 19 and following, say this. These are the family records of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took as his wife Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padam Aram and sister of Laban the Aramean, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And so what's going on in this story? God's Word is introducing us to the line or lineage of Abraham, right? If you grew up in Sunday school, you might remember him and being referred to as father Abraham. He had many sons, but actually he only had one legitimate son. But see, God goes to Abraham and says, hey, basically the world is messed up. Okay, I've got to redeem the world and I'm going to make your family into a great nation. You're going to be a great nation. You're going to have kids on kids on kids on kids on kids for generations to come and through your family, I'm going to bless the whole world. I'm going to redeem the whole world. I'm going to send my Messiah through your descendants, Abraham. And Abraham says, "Great. You know, sign me up. I'm good." And then he tries to have children. He has one legitimate son, Isaac. And so now, this blessing, this promise that God's going to do in something incredible through this family is now passed on to Isaac. So all all spotlights on all the pressures on Isaac and Isaac knows, okay, well, I guess if I'm going to carry on this promise, I've got to get married and I've got to have a family. And so now he marries Rebecca and they start trying to have a family, right? They start trying to have a family, but nothing's happening nothing's happening. They want to have children. They're doing everything that biology class told them to do to have a family, but still nothing is happening. So they've got to wait. They've got to wait. And it brings me to my first point of application about patience, and that's this. When you think you can't wait, act. When, when you think you can't wait, act. Think, is there something that you can do while you're waiting for something to actually help you to kind of decrease the amount of time that you have to wait for that thing you know some of us maybe we're we're waiting to retire and, and we're like man i just can't wait till i can retire well maybe there's something you can do maybe you can cut some costs maybe you can be a little bit frugal maybe you can not go on that vacation you could retire maybe a little bit earlier right some of us we we get hurt or we're struggling with some sickness and we're like man i really can't wait till i feel better well, have you seen a doctor yet? You know, I know a lot of friends are always grumbling and complaining, I have, have you seen a doctor yet? No, I haven't seen a doctor yet. And then they go see a doctor, they get a prescription, they figured it out. You know, some of us, there are things that we're waiting for that if we actually did something about it, it could actually decrease the amount of time that we're waiting. Here, here's a story in my life. Last year, 2020, February 28, 2020, right before the pandemic shut everything down, I went to Nova ninja, this American ninja warrior training course with a bunch of my friends. And we were you know, running up walls and hanging from things. And my, at the end of the night, we had already taken a group picture. My friends, they said, oh, Sean, you got to try this one wall. You got to do this one wall. I got to do this one wall. I'm like, I'm good. Let's go home. We already took the group picture. Let's go home. But they're like, no, you got to try one more. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. So I try I run up this wall, try to run up this wall. First time I plant my foot in that wall, my Achilles tendon just snaps in two. Yeah. Left, left Achilles tendon a little over a year ago, well, a year and a half ago, just popped right in two. And for me, as an, as an avid runner, I run five days a week, you know, Monday through Friday. It's the way I get up in the morning. It's kind of my cup of coffee, workout six days a week. Now doctors are telling me, okay, like you're going to be in a boot for like six weeks. You know, you're going to be rolling around on one of those knee scooters for like two months you won't be able to walk for two months okay you're gonna have to you know do physical therapy maybe maybe six months you'll be able to run again it's gonna be a year before you're back to normal oh just a year great (laughs) right can't wait so i remember going to the doctor and saying hey but you say i won't be able to run for six months like what if i worked really really hard in pt like, what if, what if the moment I was able to get my boot off, I start, work, start doing the, band, the, the ankle flips and the, all the band work, and then as soon as I could, I would start getting on my bike. And what if I, I walked and hiked as soon as I could? Could I run a little bit early? And they said, well, your goal is to do five single leg calf raises on this leg. If you can do that, then we'll give you the green light to start running. And so I worked my tail off so I could start exercising again, and within four months, I was running again two months ahead of schedule because I just said, hey, I, I can't just wait. There was something I can do to decrease the wait time. You know, perhaps some of you are single, right? Perhaps some of you are single and you're like, I can't wait until God provides me with that helpmate. But maybe there's something that you can do, okay, to decrease the wait time, right? I get, I'm a single person. I'm pretty content being single, so I'm pretty lazy in this area in my life. I'll admit it, okay? But I know some single people, they're sick and tired of being single and yet they don't put themselves out there. Okay? It's like, okay, go go join a small group. Okay? Go go serve with other Christians so you can meet other single people. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. Okay, but maybe it's time. Maybe it's time you make a profile in eHarmony. I <laughs> like that's very hypocritical for me to say, but I've heard of so many couples that are meeting together online. I've also heard if you're serious about getting married, eHarmony is the way to go, okay? Not the other ones, but eHarmony, apparently, okay? But there are sometimes things that we can do in the midst of the waiting that will decrease the amount of time that we're waiting. Maybe, maybe some of you, you are waiting for a spouse, right, to come to church with you. You're waiting for a spouse to read the Bible with you, to pray with you. Maybe there are something you can do. Remember, when was the last time you invited them? How are you showing them the character of Jesus by the way that you treat them and love them and support them? You know, think about Maybe there's something you can do kind of in, to incentivize them. You know, I, I am a Christian today in, in many regards because of my great-grandmother's impatience. Yeah. See, my, my great-grandmother, she loved Jesus. Her husband, my great-grandfather, did not. They were a young couple, just had two small kids. And so my grandmother... My great-grandmother would go to church every Sunday. She would take the kids. And my great-grandfather was like, that's great. You know, you guys go to church. I fully support that. I'm sure it's good for the kids. But he would say, Lois, I work hard six days a week. I work hard six days a week. Sunday is a day of rest for me. It's the one day I can sleep in. So the only worshiping I will be doing on Sunday morning is at Bedside Baptist with Pastor Sheets. Like, (laughs) And he was very faithful in his attendance. (laughs) And and so one Saturday, actually one Saturday, my great-grandfather goes to Lois, my my great-grandfather, and goes, hey, I'd really appreciate it if you made that pie. You know, this one pie that I really like. And she says, oh, I'll make the pie. But you got to come to church with me tomorrow. And so he goes, okay, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go to church with you. So she makes the pie, he eats it. He doesn't get up the next morning. Oh, no, he's sleeping in. He's snoozing. My great-grandmother goes to her kids. Hey, you want to come with me to wake Dad up so he can go to church with us? Sure. All right. And so my grandmother proceeds to go get a, a bucket of cold water, <laughs> walks in the bedroom, and then dumps it on him. And that Sunday morning, my great-grandfather went to church for the very first time. At First Christian Church in Meadville, Pennsylvania, he started going to church and gave his life to Christ found a couple guys that ended up discipling him, and then he passed on his faith to his grandchildren, one of which is Brett Andrews, who was once the associate minister at this church and about 30 years ago went and started New Life. So I'm here, and New Life is here, planted churches in some ways because of my great-grandmother's impatience because she didn't just wait, she acted. Now, if your spouse is in bed right now, I'm not saying, okay, go get a cup of water and dump it on him. But maybe there is something you can do to decrease the weight. You know, oftentimes there are things we can do, but then there are some times where we're just waiting on things and we've exhausted all our options, right? We've seen all the doctors. We've tried all the treatments. We've made all of the, you know, eHarmony profiles and still nothing's happening. What do we do when we've exhausted all our options? Well, I I take great comfort and encouragement from the book of James. Book of James, chapter 5, written to Christians who are waiting on God to come through for them. They're going through hard time, persecution. James, chapter 5, says this. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains, you too be patient. Stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Yeah, you want to learn patience, become a farmer. Plant some vegetables. And in those seasons, we realize that God's timing is oftentimes slower than our timing. And in some seasons, we have a bucket of water that we can dump on that seed and encourage it to grow. And then there are other seasons where we don't have water. We, we cannot produce the growth, and we have to wait on God to provide the rain, right? It might be the summer. It might be the summer, and it seems like it's a drought, and nothing's happening. But God's Word says, hey, understand. God's timing is oftentimes slower than our timing, and eventually He will send the rain. Eventually, He will bring the fruit. And so what do we do? What do we do when we can't do anything ourselves? We pray. We pray. That's the second point of application. When you think you can't wait, pray. When you think you can't wait, pray. That's what Isaac does in chapter 25, verse 21 says this. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And that prevented him from making the same mistake that his father had made just a generation ago. Maybe you remember the story, Abraham and Sarah, they were supposed to have kids, and they're trying, and they're trying, and they're trying, and Sarah's getting old. They're both getting old, and they're like, this isn't working. But Abraham, God has promised you that to be the, the father of this great nation, and so Sarah gets this idea. She says, oh, wait, why don't you start a family through my young maidservant Hagar? Like, if I can't produce children, maybe, maybe she can produce children for you on my behalf. Why, why don't we try that option? And, and one thing the text doesn't mention Abraham doing is praying. Like, he, he, Sarah you know, Sarah gives this scenario, why don't, you, why don't you sleep with Hagar? Abraham doesn't say, let me pray about that. <laughs> let, me, let me think about that. No, he just goes, well, if you insist, I mean all right, sounds like a good deal to me. And Well, because he didn't pray, there's been conflict in the Middle East ever since between the descendants of Ishmael, Hagar's son, and the descendants of Isaac, Sarah's son. See, he, he didn't pray. He didn't wait. He didn't consult God. He just ended up cutting corners. That's oftentimes what we do when we get anxious. When we, when we, when we don't wait, we we feel like we can't wait. We ended up compromising some of our convictions. But when we pray, the Bible says through prayer, some of that anxiety can go away. Uh, uh, someone in the Bible who discovered this for themselves, someone who had to wait on God for his perfect timing, was King David. King David, when he was just a young boy, we don't know, maybe 13, maybe 14 years old, King, the prophet Solomon comes to him prophet Samuel comes to him and says hey you're going to be the next king of Israel you know is looking forward to the day that you know everyone's going to come to him for answers and well what does he do for the next 21 years he's anointed king and yet he has to wait 21 years before he becomes king of Israel and he runs for his life for those 21 years King Saul who's the reigning king doesn't want him to be king he doesn't like David he's jealous And so David's there waiting. God, where are you? I thought you said I was going to be king, and now I'm running for my life? No, so David prays. David's waiting on God for his timing, and one of the prayers he prays is recorded in Psalm chapter 27. During one of these seasons of waiting, David says this. "This I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. He says, be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord, because David knew that God's timing is oftentimes not our timing. That God is eternal. That He's got all the time in the world, and He's He's working in the midst of His waiting. But His promises always come true. His promises always come true. And so, like David, we pray in the midst of those seasons of waiting. We pray. And his song, as prop, Philippians 4 tells us, do not be anxious about anything. Yes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving through prayer and petition, make a request known to God, and then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's oftentimes the anxiousness, the feelings of anxiety when we're waiting that oftentimes make us compromise our convictions, oftentimes tempt us to cut corners, you know, the Bible says in the midst of your waiting, pray. Don't just ask God for things. You know, that, that, that's petition. That's asking God for things. Hey, God, would you, would you provide for me a spouse? Would you provide healing? Would you heal my marriage? So that's petition. But Paul says with prayer and petition, meaning spending quiet time with God, being, being alone with Him, meditating on Him. You know, secular, secular science, will call this mindfulness. And neuroscientists have actually shown what that does to your mind, what it does to your brain. It actually lays down new neural pathways in your brain so that it clears up your stinking thinking, so that your brain doesn't produce the, the over amounts of cortisol, a stress hormone that leads to anxiety, it leads to uh, deprivation of sleep. It's all available through prayer. And Bible, the Bible says it's a peace that passes sends all understanding. It's it's spiritual, but it's also physical. It's something that's actually God's working in your mind to renew your mind, to help bring relief to the anxiety, to the stress, so that we don't compromise our convictions like we see happening with Isaac's sons. Let's pick up with their story in chapter 25. It says this, but the children inside her struggled with each other. But the children inside her struggled with each other. And so we see here in this part of the story that I, uh, Isaac and rebecca they're now expecting. They're now expecting. Which sometimes I think, I know, I read the Bible and I hear stories like this and I'm like, oh, isn't it great for them? Right? They, they were going through this hard time. They prayed and got answers their prayers. I and mean, why doesn't that happen in my life? Right? Why don't I see miracles like that? Maybe that's something that God just does in the Bible. Ever thought that or wondered like, why doesn't God work like that today? Well, sometimes I think we, we miss what God says later in verse 26 that it says that Isaac was 60 years old when the boys were born. And, and so sometimes we miss that Isaac and Rebecca, they were 40 years old when they got married and started trying to have a family. It wasn't until they were 60 That they were expecting. So that says 20 years. So so Isaac prayed for 20 years that he'd be able to become a father. He prayed and he waited. He prayed and he waited, but eventually God came through on his timing. And it reminds me of what S.D. Gore and this old preacher once said. He says, you can do more than pray, or you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can't do more than pray until you have prayed. Yeah, until you've given your situation over to God, there, there, there's nothing more that you can do. And then pray. You pray, you pray, you pray, and then you act, and then you wait. Because they were faithful, they waited. They, say, they saw God deliver. Rebecca's now pregnant, and she says, why is this happening to me? You know, why is there this struggle? So she went to the inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will come from you and be separated, meaning you're having twins. Surprise. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When her time came to give birth, there were indeed twins in her womb. The first one came out red-looking, covered with hair like a fur coat, and they named him Wookiee. Okay, no, they called him Esau, but I don't know, that's kind of a weird picture, like a baby that's got like a fur coat on. I don't know, it's weird, maybe he was an Ewok or something, I don't know. Okay, after this, his brother came out grasping Esau's heel with his hand. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. When the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter an outdoorsman but Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game but Rebecca loved Jacob and, and so we've got these boys and they couldn't be any more different right you got Esau who's like this Willie Robertson duck dynasty kind of wilderness guy and then you've got Jacob this like HGTV like homes and gardens kind of guy I don't watch it but you saw, you probably are more culture than I do right the interior designer guy that's him Okay, two polar opposite brothers. It says this, once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. He said to Jacob, "Let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted." This is why he was also named Edom. Jacob replied, "First sell me your birthright." Look," said Esau, "I'm about to die. So what good is a birthright to me?" Jacob said, "Swear to me first." So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. Then Jacob gave bread and lentil stew to Esau. He ate, drank, got up, and went away. So Esau despised his birthright. Wow, what just happened there? Let's kind of replay the tape. So Esau, he comes in from the field one day. He's exhausted He's hungry. Was he hunting? We don't know. But even if he was hunting and killed something, he doesn't have the patience to wait for that to get cooked. He says, I'm hungry. I am hungry right now, and I need something to eat. And so he smells his brother's stew, and he says, I, I want that. I want that now. And his, Well, his brother Jacob, he says, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to take advantage of my brother's impatience. So he says, if you want this stew... I'll give it to you. It, it's good. It's delicious. But but you've got to sell me your birthright. You know, all, all the inheritance. He, he has an older son, he would, he would get twice as much as Isaac would get, or twice as much as Jacob would get. He says, just sell it to me. And, and all the blessings that, that that God is going to give you. You know, that the promise of you becoming the powerful great nation, that's going to come to me and not to you. So physical blessings, cattle, land, money, spiritual blessings. All of that for a bowl of soup. Like five minutes of satisfaction for eternal blessings. It's up to you. It's up to you. And Isaac said, I don't care. I need to stew. Give it to me now. And he despised his birthright. You know, I I, I think oftentimes we we can really judge Esau and be like, how foolish. How foolish can he be to do that? Craig Rochelle, author Craig Rochelle, he he describes what was happening in this moment. He says, In that moment, Esau traded the ultimate for the immediate. He traded the ultimate for the immediate. But before we judge him, we need to take a look at our lives. And I think most days, all of us are at least tempted to trade the ultimate for the immediate. Anybody here ever tempted to text and drive? I, I know for me, oftentimes I'll be driving, I'll get a text, and I'll be like, oh, who's that? Oh, and I'll, it'll be like, oh, I, I should respond to that right now. And it's I'm like, Sean, you got to wait. Just wait till you get five minutes, wait 10 minutes till you get to your destination, and then you can respond. It's all right. You know, I was doing some research, and I, I, I found out that half a million people in our country, half a million people every single year, are injured or are killed in car accidents related to people texting and driving. Thousands of people lose their lives every single year because we can't wait five minutes to respond to a text. And people trade the ultimate for the immediate. Some of us were tempted to to trade the ultimate for the immediate in our, maybe a marriage. Have you ever been tempted to compromise your marriage vows, to, to cheat on your spouse, whether with an actual other person or just some images on a computer screen? Right, right? There are some young Christian couples, some young Christian couples who know, hey, God's design for marriage is to wait, is to wait to, to live together and to sleep together until the wedding day, right? Hebrews 13.4 says that marriage should be held in honor by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. And oftentimes we're tempted to compromise our convictions and trade the ultimate for the immediate. Some of us, we Jump out of a relationship. Some of us are like, hey, I I don't know if we can really work through this. I'm sick and tired of my marriage. I'm sick and tired of where it is. And some of us, we trade the ultimate for the immediate. And we jump out of a relationship that really is something that we said we would be in until death do us part. You know, and so here's my third point of application. When you think you can't wait, remember what's true. When you think you can't wait, remember What's true. You know, Esau wasn't thinking long term. He was just thinking for the moment what would bring him some relief right now. And that's oftentimes the way we think. That's oftentimes the reason why we make decisions that we later regret, is because we don't remember what's true. So if you're tempted to throw in the towel in your marriage, you remember your marriage vows. Like right now, just right now, even if your marriage is doing great, just think about your wedding day. Just think about that time when you stood across. The, the, from the altar from um, your, your spouse, and you, you committed your life to one another. You know, last Saturday, I officiated a wedding, and it was a beautiful day. It was rained in the morning, and the sun came out. And I got to look at this bride and groom, and I said, hey, today's a special day. Right? The sun is shining. You guys are filled with joy. You guys are so excited about this future life together. And I said, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But understand, there will be days when the rain clouds will come in, right? You're going to go through hard times, relationally and individually, and, and there will be some dark days ahead. But understand this, when those dark days come, understand this, that never doubt in the dark what you've seen in the light. You never doubt in the dark what you've seen in the light, right? Sometimes the lights go out. We struggle with depression. We struggle with anxiety, and we're tempted to then compromise our convictions because it just doesn't feel right, just doesn't feel good. We've got to understand, hey, if it was true in the light, it's true in the darkness, whether we feel it or not. So here's ultimately what I want to leave you with. If there's one thing that you can take away from the story of of Esau and Jacob, it's this. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now in, in a relationship with a spouse maybe relationship with the kids, maybe maybe you're you're struggling with sobriety, maybe you've you've had some sobriety from alcohol, maybe you're struggling with some addiction, with drugs, with pornography, whatever it is. Hey, don't give up what you want most for what you want now, And, and don't wait alone, right? As we wait for healing to come, as we wait for restoration to come to some relationship, as we wait for whatever it is we're waiting for, don't wait alone, I'm a part of a, a group called Celebrate Recovery. We're a, a group of people that are working with one another to find healing from our hurts, our hang-ups, our bad habits. It's through New Life Christian Church, our church out in Chantilly, but we meet on Zoom right now on Friday nights. And so if you need a group of people just to come around you, support you, to help you find healing from your hurts, your hang-ups, your bad habits, we'd love to have you. We've got a men's share group. We've got a women's share group. Love to talk with you about that. Maybe you're going through some, some struggles in your marriage, or, or you are going through a bout of depression, anxiety, some, some other disorder, some other pain in your life, and you need some counseling. Well, take advantage of Safe House Christian counseling that, 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 that is actually works at this building. We right? have counselors. You have counselors in this building that want to help you, they want to support you, they want to, they want to encourage you to find healing. And so, whatever it is, whatever it is you're waiting for, you're waiting on God, don't wait alone. Get other people in your corner to encourage you. Think, is there something I can do? Is there something I can do to act, to decrease my wait time? How how can I be praying? I need to be praying, and don't forget what's true so that you don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us and ask God to help us with that this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you and we confess, we admit that we oftentimes lack patience. There are a lot of things that we're waiting for, God, and sometimes we wonder if you are even paying attention. We wonder if you hear us when we pray, and yet, God, we can look at your word and see that you are faithful that you are loving, that you do know what is best for us, and you do want what is best for us. And oftentimes that means we need to wait, and you and your timing. And so, God, we just ask that you would help us to be able to have more patience, to be more like your son Jesus, so that our lives can shine your light to the world around us. God, we thank you for your son Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.